Hey, welcome. If this is your first time here, so excited to have you here. You're coming in on the tail end of a series of messages that we've been in since the beginning of the year on your best year yet, endeavoring to help us all to live to our potential, uh, to all that God wants us to be in this new year. And so we've been looking at different uh, resolutions that people have or tend to have in the new year. We'll see in a moment how some people tail off on, on things, especially when it comes to fitness things or whatever. We won't ask for a show of hands how many are no longer going to the health club or the gym or whatever. Uh, kind of gave that up a week ago or whatever. But uh, we're wanting for us to be all that God wants us to be in this new year. Does that sound all right? For us to be the best we can be in this new year. And so uh, to do that, we've been looking at several different topics. Now, next week, we're going to start a new series. I'll mention this again a little bit later uh, called Neighbor. And uh, Jesus talked a lot about your neighbor. Okay? And uh, one guy even asked the question to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? You know, you keep talking about neighbor. Uh, who is my neighbor? And so we're going to look at the answer to that question. And so over the next several weeks, uh, we'll be addressing that. So it's a perfect week to invite someone to come to Crossroads Church, to be here next week. A lot of people like to get in on the first of something. And so next week, we'll be talking about uh, the first part of that four-part series that will take us through February. So be sure and get the invite out to others. Today, we're going to finish up this series that we've been focused on, like I said, about your best life ever. And one of the top resolutions that people have in a new year is I want to learn something new. Uh, Another one is, you know, I I want to make better choices this year. I want to make better decisions. I want to be more wise about my life, perhaps, or just smart, you know, I'd just like to be smarter this year. Uh, I made some dumb choices or dumb decisions this past year. I don't want to repeat that again. I don't know what it exactly looks like for you, but we're going to break it down uh, today because I think all of us have had times where we've regretted something that we did. Anybody with me on that? Okay. Uh, don't leave me up here by myself today, all right? And, and so, uh, the sermon, by the way, is a lot better when you interact, okay? I'll just <laughs> tell you that, all right? It's a lot better. But, uh, you know, I remember a time, uh, you know, if you're under 18, just plug your ears right now, uh, because when I was a teenager, I don't know, I was probably about 16, maybe 15, 16, uh, my, I had a cousin who... Uh, I'll just give you his initials, Gary Ears. Uh, he, um, he was very uh, smart, ingenuitive, you know, just always, I mean, maybe he had too much time on his hands. He would just come up with stuff. And uh, so one day he rigged up, and that's a simple thing. It was just, he took some coat hangers and made this contraption that would hold a Roman candle in it. Now, does everybody know what a Roman candle is? Okay, a Roman candle, For if there's anybody who doesn't know, uh, it is a firework that is intended to be put into the ground, not held in your 
hand, uh, but put into the ground, and it will shoot fireballs out. So it's a pretty cool thing. And you don't want to hold it because it can shoot out both ends, um, which is not a good thing. It can shoot at your family and all kinds of stuff. So uh, don't do this at home, okay? But anyway, my, my cousin made this contraption, and the idea was we would take this out to Eagle Creek Park, and we heard that there were people, couples, who would go to Eagle Creek Park to a certain area, park their cars so they could look at the stars, okay? <laughs> just do some stargazing, um, just in case somebody's not in jam, that, you know, they ought to be in jam right now, but they're not, so they're in here. So, so they were doing some stargazing. What was funny is a lot of the couple's cars were fogged up, and so I don't know how they could see the stars all that well, uh, but anyway, we didn't worry about that. All we worried about is we wanted to come up there in my cousin's Jeep, put that device down on the, the blacktop there, and then light it, and drive off. So this was the plan, and we had all strategized, four of us in the Jeep, and who was going to put the device out onto the asphalt, and then who was going to light it, and then we're going to make sure we're all in the Jeep and take off, speed off. And, you know, there'd be this celebration out there for all the stargazers. And so... So we get out there, we put the, I, I can't remember for sure who put the device down and who lit it, but anyway, what I do remember very well is when we pulled off, and I don't know if it was wind off the Jeep and trying to get away or what it was, but the device fell over. And I watched in horror as fireballs started shooting under a car. And I thought, oh my God. Gosh, this car is going to explode and we're going to be guilty of murder and I'm going to jail for the rest of my life. You know, uh, well, you know I, how did this happen to me? And, and so, so anyway, good news is the car didn't explode and uh, we, we got away and I promised to never do something like that again. Uh, but maybe you've done some things where you thought, that was a dumb idea. That, that was not smart. And maybe a car didn't explode, but maybe a marriage exploded. Or maybe another relationship in your life exploded. Or maybe a business went down the tubes. Or perhaps some other, an education, you screwed up. Uh, your education because uh, of a bad move. And you'd like to do that over, right? You'd like to go back and do that over, but you can't. And so the main thing is to learn and move forward in life because all of us have times in our lives where we wish we could go back. We wish we could have a do-over. But the best question is moving forward, and Andy Stanley terms it this way, the best question ever, the best question ever that you could ask is what is the wise thing to do? Wouldn't that help? You know, if you just ask that every day before you said yes or before you said no, or before you committed or or uncommitted or whatever it is you did, if you would say, you know, 
Now, what's the wise thing to do here? And to help us out today with what is the wise thing to do, uh, the best thing you can do, and I want to speak to those that the younger you are, the more you need to hear this, is you don't have to learn from your own mistakes. Okay? You can watch other people. And there are plenty of examples, okay, uh, to where you can watch other people make some choices that maybe weren't the smartest, weren't the wisest, they didn't ask that question going into it or whatever it was, and you watch the ramifications happen in their life. And here's what a wise person does. A wise person learns from that. Well, good news. There's a whole book in the Bible about helping us to make wise choices and wise decisions. Now, it's actually an ancient writing that was preserved miraculously down through thousands of years, and we have a copy of it, if you have a copy of the Bible. So if you brought a Bible, a copy of the Bible with you, turn to about the middle of the Bible, and the book of Proverbs is what we're going to look at today. Now, I happen to love the book of Proverbs. My daughter was telling me that she's been reading in Proverbs, which I'm really happy about that because, uh, you know, Proverbs just has these nuggets of wisdom, just nuggets of truth. And it's just kind of written that way, just kind of, you know. So if you feel like the Bible's boring, I would challenge you to read the book of Proverbs. And the cool thing about Proverbs, there's, there's several cool things, but one of the cool things is that there's 31 divisions or chapters of it. So in a month like January that has 31 days, you can read the whole book in one month. And it's actually pretty easy to read it. And uh, so I would challenge you to do that. But here's what the book of Proverbs really starts out and teaches us. That if you'd listen and you'd learn from others, you wouldn't have to make all the mistakes yourself. And so today, I want us to look at how this book starts out with Solomon writing to us, who, by the way, in his day, had the, like the name of the wisest person on the earth. And so people actually would travel extended miles, and this is back in the day when travel wasn't easy, but they would travel from all over places to come and just hear him talk and teach about wisdom. And so here's how this writing, this ancient writing of Proverbs starts out. These are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so we'll know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it's going. Now that, that's not, let's just stop right there. Is that not awesome? I mean, if, if you're having trouble figuring life out, yeah, you know, dude, I'm just having trouble figuring life out, you know. Well, here it is, okay? I mean, it is written down for you. You don't have to, you know, go out here, hit, sit on the hillside somewhere and just go, mm -hmm, you know, trying to find my way or whatever. Here it is. It's written down for you on how to live well and right to understand what life means and where it's going. A manual for living. How many of you, if you can't 
figure out where those last pieces go, you go to the manual, right? You know, if you're putting something together, you find, I think I'm going to have to read the manual. You know, it's come to this, you know. And that's kind of how it is with the Bible. The Bible is a manual for living, for learning what's right, just, and fair. So here's the good news today, is God has provided the tools for your success. Okay, isn't that awesome? He's provided the tools for your success. Now, I don't know if you're going to pick them up or not. I don't know if you're going to use them. But the good news is, it's not because they're not there. It's not because God's holding out. God's not hiding his wisdom. He's not hiding what he wants to do in your life and how he wants to use your life. He has put it down so that you can have it. So, Here's, if you're taking notes, here's how to get smarter in life this year. The first thing is, is to get wisdom for life. Get wisdom for life. You know, again, a lot of people fall off on resolutions, things like that. I saw this recently from The Tonight Show that uh, there were some people that tweeted in on fitness fails, Okay, these are people who, you know, I kind of, I'm going to get fit, and then here's what happened. A buddy told me he bought a gym membership just so he could take his kid to the daycare while he sat in a hot tub. Don't get ideas, right? Okay, somebody else said, I packed my gym bag, then I realized I forgot my tennis shoes on the way there. So, I went shopping instead. Some of you think, hey, good plan. Fitness fail. All right, love this one. My husband once tried to follow Body for Life. Day one, I saw him eating cookies, and I commented that it wasn't his free day. He explained that he decided to break his free day up into small chunks of time. (laughs) An hour here and there and whatever. All right, not wise if you want to get healthy, right? Uh, here's, here's what actually Solomon says about wisdom. He, he says wisdom, and, and he like personifies it. He says wisdom is like a woman screaming in the street. Who will listen to me? Who will listen? Who, who, will, who will not Throw away their life. Who will stop making poor choices and and bad decisions? Who will listen? And Solomon says it's like a woman, but I'm telling you, it's even better than that. It's better today than a woman screaming in the street. God put it in writing. God put it in writing so that you and I could have a copy of his word, God's wisdom is recorded, and the good news is, because of that, anybody can take hold of it. Anybody can take hold of it. Now, the Bible talks about how, with age, wisdom should come. That, you know, talks about people with gray hair should be wise, and, you know, and a lot of that comes from experience, you know, because people who are older naturally have more experience. However, 
it's not a definite on wisdom, okay? It's not a given because there are people who are older who have just, they're on a 10-year cycle of making the same mistakes over, over, and over. The decade just changes. The circumstances stay the same. But then there are other people who are younger. And the Bible says, and even Paul says, don't let people look down on you because you're younger. You know, just prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. Just be wise. And I'm telling you, if, if you're under 20 or whatever here today, I, I would say to you, one of the greatest compliments that you could get would be this. You know, you're wiser beyond your years. You ever had somebody tell you that? Yeah, yeah, try to be that, be that person. That you, you just seem wiser than your years because of listening to the advice of others, listening to God's wisdom. And we can get it in our lives. Here, here's what uh, Proverbs says in chapter 9. It says, fear of the Lord is the foundation. Okay, now this is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. And if you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Is that not true? I mean, if you scorn with, how many have had bad or good advice given to you, but you didn't take it? Now, who's the, who's the one that lost, right? You did. You didn't take the advice. And, and so how do we get wisdom? Because it, it sounds like to me that it could be your best year ever if you'll be wise about it. How do we do that? Well, the Bible says, first of all, you find it right here. God has put it down. He has written it. Now, some of you may be like this. All right, you may be well-meaning because you hear me talk about read the Bible. Oh, man, is it awesome what the Bible says? You know, is that incredible? It's in there. You know, who'd have thought? You know, that's, that's crazy. And, and so you hear me talk like that, and you think, you know what? I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start reading my Bible. But somehow it stays on the nightstand because you get sleepy and tired, and whatever, and you have good intention, I'm going to read that, uh, you know, you know, and, and, you know, you read chapter one, or whatever, and that put you out, and, and, and so, you know, you, you have good intentions, or it's on the, the coffee table, or whatever, and you get busy doing other stuff, and whatever, and never quite check it out, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do, again, is put the Bible on your phone. Because you always have your phone, right? You always have your phone. And there are times where, you know, you're, you're waiting on something. You know, your, your oil's getting changed or, or they're rotating your tires or you're at the salon and, and, and they're, you know, I'm running 15 minutes behind or whatever. Well, you've got 15 minutes to read the Bible right there if you have it with you. And so you could download the Bible app, sign up even for, you know, how, how to have a better marriage, how to have, have great kids, 
You know, scriptures, there, there are all kinds of reading plans that you can do if you don't want to just read the Bible through cover to cover. You can just sign up for different aspects of Bible readings to come on your phone. Now, a fool that doesn't acknowledge God, the Bible says you know, you're a fool if you don't acknowledge God in your life. So the wisdom comes from, first of all, just acknowledging God. And that word fear is the word for respect or to be in awe. And I don't know about you, but I'm in awe of someone who made a son. Okay, that's, that's awesome, you know. And then a moon, you know. And other th- stars. And, and, and then the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and so that just automatically commands respect, Right? And automatically causes an awe about that. And so we reverence his authority. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if somebody says, well, you know, I don't know about if there's a God. And that's kind of like somebody saying, well, I just don't know that gravity really matters to me. You know, I don't think gravity applies to me. Uh, I'm above that, you know, and and all. I've kind of grown past gravity in my life. Well, I've got news for you. If you hop off your roof, you're coming down, all right? All right, you will not stay up there. Uh, You will not be able to levitate and whatever. It's not happening. You're going to fall because it's a fact. It's a truth. It's a reality. And whether or not you want to deny the existence of God, it doesn't bother him. He still exists. All right, he's still there. And the good news is, is he's still there, right? He's still there. He's still there for you. He's still there if you want to come back. Here's some benefits. Let me just read some benefits real quick. This is not exhaustive. I just wrote a few of these down this week, typed up a list uh, of some benefits of the wisdom in Proverbs. Is happiness. You'll be more happy if you have God's wisdom. You'll have long life. You have a longer life. You have riches and honor with wisdom. You have peace and safety with wisdom. You'll have a stumble-free walk. Anxiety-free. You'll be more anxiety-free with wisdom. With wisdom, you'll have sweet sleep. With wisdom, you can avoid disaster. With wisdom, you you can have protection, confidence, promotion in your life. Listen to this. Healing and health. With wisdom, you can be filled with joy. Wisdom will watch over you. Wisdom will open you up to God's favor. And wisdom will add years to your life. I don't know about you, but sign me up, right? Sign me up. I'll take some more of that in my life. And so God wants to bring these benefits into our lives. So how do we do that? Well, again, get the Bible, read it, download it. And then another thing is come to church because we actually read it here too, right? And so if nothing else, you, you come to church. And I'll tell you what, how you come to church. Here's how you ought to come to church. How you ought to come to church is you ought to come with your ears open and your heart receptive to receive what God would want to speak into your heart in your life today. 
That's how you ought to come to church. So, so you get yourself ready. Now, I know we all get ourselves ready, you know. Everybody ready? What, what are you doing? Where's your shoe, you know? <laughs> Where's the other one, you know? And all you're scrambling, trying to get everybody ready, get out of the house, get to church or whatever. And so, you know, it's all about that. But let me tell you something. Here's the most important part. Most important part is to come with your ears open, your heart receptive to receive because you never know what God's going to do. And so much of what you get, listen, I pray, I study, I get all ready and everything, all amped up, and, and uh, people think I take five-hour energy. I don't. I don't need it. And so I'm up here, you know, all fired up for God to, to deliver this message. But I'm telling you, a huge amount of what you receive depends upon you and you being receptive. And, and here's a funny thing. This is kind of a side note. God helps my sermons, okay? What happens is I'll be up here talking and, and stuff, and people after, I've had this happen where people said, you know, what you said about this, it just really blessed me. And I thought, I don't think I said that, you know. And they're like, well, you know, I just heard it, you know. God just dealt with me. It's like you were in my house or whatever. And I hardly said anything about the topic that they're talking about. But the Holy Spirit, okay, came and, and said, hey, here's somebody who needs to hear something from me, who needs something spoken into their spirit today. And so he speaks while I'm speaking. And all of a sudden, that, that interchange in your spirit causes transformation, right? Transformation. So, come ready. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, so here's, here's another thing you can do. Here's another thing you can do. If you need more wisdom, okay, and you may be sitting by the person who needs it the most, I don't know, but, but if you need more wisdom, and you're like, oh, yes, he does, uh, pray for it. Pray for it. Because the Bible says you don't have it because you don't ask for it. James, the brother of Jesus, said that. He says you need to ask for wisdom and God will give it to you. It's interesting that the guy who wrote Proverbs, God came to him. Now listen, this is incredible. Came to him when he was about to take over his father's throne. About to take over as the king of Israel. And he says, I'll tell you what. I'll do any one thing you want me to do for you how would you like to have that deal the god of the universe says solomon whatever you want name it and i'll do it for you and solomon thinks and he says you know god <laughs> i'm about to take over the leadership of all these people and this job just blows me away i, I don't know how i can live up to this job so, would you please give me wisdom to lead your Give me wisdom to lead your Here's what God did. God says, because you did not ask for more money, you did not ask for fame or fortune or, or, or anything in long life or any of those things, because you unselfishly asked out of a generous heart for what you could do for other people. Not only am I giving you the wisdom 
But I'll give you all those other things as well. And here's what God also knew, is he knew if Solomon's wise, he'll get those other things, right? Those other things will come his way. So you ask for it. Here, here's, here's another thing. Get wise, get wisdom in your finances, right? That's a big one. People in the, at a new year say, I need to get a hold of my finances, you know. This year, I, I got to get out of debt. I got to, you know, make this happen. I got to get smarter with my money or whatever. And, and, you know, all of us know that marriage problems, many marriage problems either start or get fueled by marriage, pro- or by money problems. And uh, we've all made mistakes in this area probably. I know that, um, you know, planting churches is not a way to wealth and prosperity, just in case you were wondering. Um, you know, and this second church that we've planted, and so I remember when we were planting the other one uh, by Chicago, and I can still remember, you know, getting $275 a week, and uh, I was adding that up the other day, and I thought, boy, that wasn't much money, you know? And, uh, and I remember us thinking, that's not much money. And so we looked at each other and thought, okay, maybe it's time to get a second job and things like that. And so, you know, I took on another job and, and Rochelle worked two or sometimes three jobs and different things. And then she finally started doing this commute thing over an hour to downtown Chicago to make more money to help us out. And so she was going on a bus or a train for, you know, hours of the day and things like that. And here, here's the deal. Many people... Many people think their money problems are an income problem. Most people think, well, what we need to do is make more money. Because if we made more money, we'd have less money problem. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? Except for the fact that probably you already make more money than you've ever made, and you still have problems. So it's really not making sense, is it? But if I made that much... It's so funny because they, when they interview people, they always talk about the people who make a little bit more than them, and, and, and they still don't make enough. Because if, it, if it's not enough now, it probably won't be enough then. So it may be a spending problem. In the book, Well-Being, which is an awesome book, it says, you don't really spend your way to happiness. You don't spend your way to happiness. Maybe you've tried that. So minimize, here's here's what the author says, minimize stress by living within your means. And then the next finding that they found in this area is generosity. And what they discovered is, when they did the research, and again, this is a secular book, this is not a Christian book, they found that generosity directly connected to the quality of life that people had. In other words, people who were more generous tended to be more happy. They they had a a better attitude about life. Now, let me tell you something. We didn't need a new book to tell us that. Because I'm telling you here, I'm holding an old book that tells you that. In the book of Proverbs, look at this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
God says, I will give you grain and wine. Are we allowed to talk about wine in church? Is that all right? Um, you know, it's really talking about provision and wealth. You'll, you'll, have, you'll have stuff. You, you will have stuff. But the big deal is stuff won't have you. See? And, and, and so God says, I want something. I don't want something from you. I don't need your money, okay? But I want something for you. And the way it works is if you'll honor me first, I'll honor you back. I'll honor you back. I will bless your life back. Now, let me tell you something. You can't control the national economy. But you can control your economy. And some of us, it could be a spending issue that's going on. And I'm telling you, if it is, we have a resource for you called FPU, Financial Peace University. You need to get that information in your head to help you to walk out with wisdom. And if you've never gone through that course or you've never signed up for it and you've thought about it or whatever, you don't need it to let it go by again. It's getting ready to start up again and you need to get in there. There's help so that you can get your life on track financially and not have all of the horror of poor finances. Let me just give you a quick nugget and especially if you're younger. The younger you are, the better this is. If you'll live by a 10-10-80 rule, Okay, now what is that? 10 to God, 10% to God. And let me tell you something, why this is better the younger you are, because it'll never be easier to give to God than what it is the younger you are. Because people say, you know, when I make more money, then I'm gonna give to God. No, you won't, okay? Because if you won't do it now when you've got less, how are you gonna do it when you've got more? It's gonna look like more to you. And so, uh, if you're a kid living at home, it just doesn't get any better than that, okay? Okay, you got it made. I know they get on your nerves. I know you want to get out there and be your own deal and whatever. But let me tell you something. It's a sweet deal right now, okay? You, it's a sweet deal. And, and so... You need to, right now, while that sweet deal is going on in your life, is set up 10, 10, 80, okay? 10 to God, first 10, and then the next 10 to savings. And then you are discretionary with the other 80. And if you'll do that, you'll solve a whole lot of marriage problems in the future. You'll take a lot of stress out of your life, and God will reward you and bless you in incredible ways. So let me just tell you, you can get smart in this area. You can get wise in this area. And if you will, you can have your best year yet. Here's the last one. Write this down. Get wisdom for relationships. Wisdom for relationships. We share life with others. Again, next week, I start this series on neighbor. It's so huge. You know, who is my neighbor and we need to know who that is. And God has so set up our lives so that we will interact one with another. So be sure you invite someone to be here next week. But as we get ready for that, and I'm going to talk about all different kinds of things, racism and different things during that series. But, but here's the thing, is life just goes fast. Anybody figured that out yet? 
You know, I've heard people say time flies, right? Time flies. And, uh, you know, the younger you are, the more you think, what is that? I'm telling you, I've got a picture of me holding our daughter, Alexis, fresh home from the hospital. I've got this picture at home, and I look at it every once in a while, and if I look at it and just study it for a moment, I can be right back in that living room. I can be right back to that moment where that person said, you know what, we need to get a picture here of dad home with the baby. And, and so I remember posing and getting ready for that photo. And that was like yesterday, okay? But really, it was over 20 years ago. Crazy, right? But that's how life does. And relationships just come and go. And the Bible says, here's what you need to do. In Proverbs chapter 19, pull this up for me. Proverbs 19 verse 22 says, loyalty makes a person attractive. See, if you want to get more attractive, here's what the Bible says. Loyalty makes a person attractive. It is better to be poor than dishonest. We think to get more attractive, we need to go to the gym. Or you need to go to the salon, maybe. Or maybe you need to have surgery or something, you know, to help fix something and make it look better and whatever. But the Bible says, no, there's deeper, deeper, deeper attraction than that. And it starts on the inside, and it's when you're loyal, when you're radically loyal to others. Because let me ask you this. How many of you would rather have some poor friends who will stick with you than some rich friends who will bolt on you, right? That's a no-brainer, right? Because if you got rich friends and they're only your friend as long as you're up, as long as you're doing well, but the moment, you know, chips are down, things are happening in your life, they're like, mm, okay, I'm not, I'm not hanging around for that. But I'm like, give me some poor friends who will stick with me, who will be there in the good times and the bad times. And so if you want to get better looking, guess what? Loyalty makes you attractive, the Bible says. It attracts people to you. Here's, here's a picture of a guy that I saw this week. I was looking through uh, this human's of New York posts, and I don't know if you've ever checked this out or not, but on Twitter, uh, a guy, a photographer, professional photographer, I think he was, in New York, just started taking pictures of people. And he would ask them, hey, can I take your picture? And he just takes their picture out on the street and whatever. And then he'd find out their story. And so I was looking through this. It was pretty amazing. And I looked, and somebody had put together a top 10 list of what they felt were, you know, top 10 posts of this guy. And, and so this was one of them. And he took this guy's picture, and then he asked him about, you know, why are you carrying the bag and where are you headed and what's going on in your life? And here's what he said. When I told my mom that I was going to rehab, she was about to catch a flight to her 40th high school reunion. I told her, I guess you won't be bragging about me to your friends. She said, actually, I've never been prouder of you. Isn't that awesome? 
I may need a few more people in your life that when you're down and when life has kicked you hard and when maybe it has been some of your own poor choices and maybe it has been some of your own dumb decisions and whatever, you have people in your life who instead of rubbing it in, try to rub it out and try to come alongside and encourage you and build you up. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but when the chips are down, when things, when I've been kicked down, when I'm down on the ground, I need some people in my life who say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm believing with you. I'm confessing over you. You're going to get up because the Bible says a righteous man falls down. A righteous man falls down seven times, but he rises up again. And Craig, I believe you're going to rise up again. How many need some people in your life like that that will encourage you, that will help you, to inspire you? See, and, and that's why we got life groups around here. We've got life groups so you can sit around in a room and not just come in here and hear me say stuff like that, but you can go into a room with people just like you and look them eyeball to eyeball and they say, hey, I, I don't know, I, I'm having a tough week. I'm having a tough time with this. I'm having a tough situation with this. And they said, we're going to pray over you tonight. You know, let's all just pray right now and just Pray God just does something. You know, how many know if you're going to pray God? That's powerful, right? That just puts it on another level. God, you know. So anyway, I got sidetracked. So, so anyway, when you get around in a room with other people and they pray with you, encourage you and say, you know what? We're going to check in on you. I'm going to send you an email this week. I, I'm going to call you this week. I'm going to text you this week. I'm going to make sure that that all checks out this week. I'm going to make sure by Wednesday you've not thrown in the towel. You've not given up. You're not th- throwing in the towel again. You're not going to give up this time because we're with you. And those that are with you are greater than those against you. And we've got God on our side. And we're praying you through this. And we won't give up until God shows up in your life. How many need some more people like that? And I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people for others as well. And if you'll apply this wisdom today, if you just apply it to your life, I believe you can have your best year.